The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Hey, this is Ramon Ray of Smart Hustle Media, and you are tuned in to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. I think in a system, some brutality is required in order to have peace. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show. Jeremy, my amazing producer, take it away. This is Dream Chases. Episode 216, featuring Adam's interview with Dr. Mark Faber on The Lieberland Show. Hey guys. Hi, Grandma. This is Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Lieberland Show. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell, and today I am joined by Dr. Mark Faber, Swiss investor and publisher of the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report. Dr. Faber, it's an honor to have you here. This has definitely you know, been an episode that I think we've had in the works for a while, and I'm happy we could finally get it down. And I know many Lieberlandians out there and, and other people who kind of see the world through a similar lens as you and I are really looking forward to our conversation today. So grateful to have you here. Thank you for investing your time with us. And let's kick it off. You know, When did you first wake up, Dr. Faber? What was the moment where you realized Hmm. Something's not right here. And I need to, I need to put myself in a position where the government can't control the way I decide to live my life. When I went to school in the fifties and, uh, until the middle sixties, I had a favorable opinion of the Swiss government because I was born in Switzerland. And I grew up in Geneva and Zurich, but when I studied and especially after my studies, and especially when I was ski racing and went frequently to Eastern Europe, I saw that uh, through communism and socialism, you impoverish the population and uh, you take the private initiative away and you depress people because of the complete lack of freedom of choice. So at that time, I kind of started to have my second thoughts about governments and whether governments represented individuals and so forth. And then I was in New York in 1970 when I started to work and I saw a little bit sometimes the brutality of the police force, whereby I'm not criticizing this. I think in a system, some brutality is required in order to have peace. You understand? If you have a nomadic society, each individual is relatively free because he moves about and there's plenty of space and so forth. 
Once you organize cities, you need to reduce the individual freedom and you have to increase the collective freedom. And among one of the collective freedoms is the freedom of fear to be hit when you walk on the street. So you need some form of discipline, which unfortunately in some Western democracies has disappeared. But in general, you know, being involved in economics and in financial markets, the first time I really saw government intervention was the bailout of LTCM in America. And I thought this is now something really bizarre that they would go and bail out the hedge fund and claim that if they hadn't bailed out the hedge fund, the financial system would have gone down. For me, this was kind of a signal that there was heavy intervention or manipulation in the financial markets. Whereby, if I look at all the former Fed chairmen since Paul Volcker, then Mr. Greenspan was actually a relatively good Fed chairman, you understand, in the sense that he increased the Fed fund rate at the beginning of year 2000 to 6.5%. And then uh, going into the housing crisis, the Fed fund rate rose again to 5.25%. So in a way, he was too slow to increase interest rates. Nonetheless, he increased them. And everybody laughs today about uh, Arthur Burns in the 70s. But I'd just like to say that by the beginning of 73, they had at the time the prime rate. It was at over 12%. And here you have these clowns at the Federal Reserve, these completely incompetent individuals. And for me, this is a tragedy that democracy has produced the worst type of bureaucracy you can imagine has nothing to do with meritocracy and everything to do with connection and political maneuvering and so forth and so on. And they, the worst performing people are shot to the top, but they're really the worst. Absolutely. So I'd actually like for you to elaborate. I've heard you speak on this before, but just for our audience, you know, you refer, you refer to those leading the Fed right now as incompetent, which I agree with you on. But could you kind of share what qualifies them as incompetent in your eyes? Yes, I want to tell you very clearly why I think they're so incompetent. When Milton Friedman had his, I think it was his 90th birthday, it was in the 1990s or early 2000s. Bernanke gave a speech. I'm just going to write about this. And he said, well, we're not going to do the same mistake as in the Great Depression that the money supply would fail at the time by 30%. The Great Depression was caused by many different factors, not just the collapse in money supply. <laughs> anyway, but he was a believer in... Milton Friedman, to some extent, as is uh, Yellen. But if you read Milton Friedman, and I've just spent some time listening again to all his speeches in the 70s and early 80s, his argument was the Fed will not do the same mistake 
as they did in the 1930s, because they know now that the money supply shouldn't collapse. But they'll make another mistake. That for sure. That's what <laughs> was his prediction. And uh, he argued for small government. And in his speeches, he explains exactly the correlation between an increase in the quantity of money and the rate of inflation. But these people at the Fed, they read Milton Friedman, they read his monetary history of the US and so forth, but for some reason, they didn't follow up and just keep on printing money. And Anna Schwartz, I just uh, Schwartz, who wrote the monetary history of the US with Milton Friedman, she published an article in 2011 or 2012 in Time magazine and said, one should not re-elect Mr. Bernanke because of these money printing and Mr. Friedman, who was by then already dead, would never approve of it. Both Bernanke and Yellen are completely incompetent people that should never be at the Fed. But I can say one thing, they're not as incompetent as Miss Lagarde at the ECB. That is the problem. All these idiots, they support each other. You understand? They actually want an even greater fool somewhere else so they can say, well, look, compare us to the ECB, we're much better. Or to Kuroda in Japan, we're much better. I totally agree. And this is about you go to universities. Anyone who has a free mind in a university and says, Good morning, Mr. So and so, and good afternoon, Miss So and so, and Mrs., he risks to be kicked out because the world has gone mad, insane, dominated by some lunatics, a minority. How many? LGBT people there are. This is a small minority, but they dominate the majority. They need now special toilets everywhere. They need special... <laughs> what, 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 what. Totally with you here, Mark. That's why they hate Putin. That's why all these guys hate Putin, because he still has some common sense in his brain. I agree with you on that. I, I know there's some people that have some mixed opinions and emotions there, but you're just hitting the nail on the head, which is the quote unquote minority all of a sudden having the the control and the power and, you know, call it our taxes, our money is going to support these programs. The bright side of things that I see here is that it seems as though the Fed and, and some of these controllers of the world, it's almost as though they have lost control. And there's individuals like you and us here on the Liberland show and you know, the group of gentlemen that I mentioned I meet with on Mondays that are kind of uncovering, you know what, now actually is a time where the truth can really flourish. And so I guess tell us tell us your thoughts there. Do you think that this is quote unquote the end of the Fed? Are they gonna stick around? Is this are we getting ready for a, a major transition right here? No, I think they'll stick around for a variety of reasons. They'll uh, probably change the financial system one day. And uh, as you know, we have this WEF, the World Economic Forum. I'm a Swiss. For me, it's an insult that such an undemocratic organization 
hosts its meeting in Switzerland. I'm actually thinking of starting a referendum in Switzerland to no longer allow them to have this meeting in Switzerland. But to do that, I would have to have the support of the socialists who are also not friendly towards the WEF, as you can imagine, because they're mostly rich and influential people. But I don't want to associate myself with the socialists. So I would have to do it alone. And then immediately the right-wing party, with which I'm more friendly, they would object because, of course, some of them belong to this WEF and they have their business connections and so forth. And the corporate world in Switzerland, the large multinationals, they're also related and so forth. It would be quite a costly exercise. But basically, if you look at what the WEF wants, And what people like Hariri and Schwab and Soros tell you, this is an aristocracy that wants to dominate the world. has nothing to do with liberties. Ideally, they would put into every person in the world a vaccine to dumb him down. I mean, people today, they don't read. But if they would read... They can go on YouTube. All these speeches are on YouTube. Look at the speeches that uh, Huxley gave about, you know, the way the world would become. He wrote uh, the Brave New World book. Mm -hmm. And he highlighted all the dangers that we are not now subjected to. It's actually funny that there were such great thinkers already in the 19th and even 18th century, or even if you look at Machiavelli, he identified the problem exactly uh, the way it is that whatever state there will be, it will be corrupted by some evil people. Absolutely. So one thing you mentioned earlier there, and this is really just from my own personal curiosity, because I, I feel as though what we're seeing in the world right now between Russia and Ukraine, and who who knows what you know, story the the powers that be decide to kind of stir up next. But I, I definitely think there's a significant amount of knowledge and insight tied to that quote unquote war that we are not up to date on. And as you mentioned, maybe if people would just read a little bit more or find the sources of information that that are providing the truth. Just kind of could you elaborate for me how you're perceiving this, you know, we'll call it a war, what's really going on here? Well I can tell you very precisely You just have to listen to the speech of George Soros in Davos a few weeks ago. He says, Putin has to be taken out. Soros hates Putin and Xi Jinping and Modi of India because these are people who have some nationalism. And they are also the people that don't want Soros' open society to disturb their elections. The open society tried to finance and embarrass China with the demonstrations in Hong Kong, all openly known. This was not a revolution, a demonstration in Hong Kong organized by the students of Hong Kong. Never. Outsider came in, financed them, gave them the incentive and even let these idiots who know nothing and said 
they were invited to Congress in America and spoke, I will prepare to die for Hong Kong, <laughs> for the freedom of Hong Kong. The Hong Kong people, I want to tell you because I lived there since 73. They had a choice in 97 to either be free, independent, or belong to China or belong to England. They had polls, surveys organized by newspapers. 80% wanted to be part of China. They didn't want to be part of England anymore. And they didn't want to be a sovereign nation because they knew if we are a sovereign nation, maybe we have to do some military service. Hong Kong people are very selfish. It's good to be selfish. That's the free market. And Hong Kong was thriving. But the demonstrations led then. I mean, do you think China, <laughs> a country with 1.3 billion people, will give up a small spot to some foreign institutions that want to embarrass China? They hadn't got the chance in a million years. But then the Chinese reacted, securities laws that are very tight. But then Soros at his speech says, our open society was so successful, we brought democracy to so many countries, including Ukraine. What democracy is there in Ukraine? The opposition parties were <laughs> eliminated by Zelensky. But the media in the Western world is so brain damaged or they don't want to tell the truth. That is also a possibility. I just written a report about this. This is an old thing that the journalists are in the service of uh, wealthy people and of interest groups and so forth. That nobody is talking about. They send them weapons. I, I can tell you what the Ukrainians do with the weapons they receive. Half of them are immediately sold to some organizations wherever in the world. Half, at least. Isn't it interesting how now all of a sudden the Western world almost supports civilians carrying arms in this situation? Yes. All, all of a sudden it's okay to have a gun if you're if you're in that area. But if you're if you're in America, if you're in Europe, if you're in Canada, you're not allowed to have your, your own arms. But this time it's okay. You will see how the Europeans within six months or a year will regret to have so many Ukrainian refugees. Not only Ukraine. Look at all the pictures of Ukrainian refugees. They come mostly from Africa because in Ukraine you could buy a passport, a Ukraine passport for like 500 US dollars. So they all went there. Now they have a free entry into Europe, into the social security system of Europe. And the dumb taxpayers in Europe, they pay for it. I was talking to a friend of mine in, in Italy the other day, and I couldn't believe the numbers in regards to what the, the tax brackets look like there. And that's just, you know, being raised in the U.S. and even in Canada, it's really not even comparable. So, again, I've heard you mention this before, but really over the next decade, maybe even two decades, do you see any, <laughs> any rays of hope for any countries in Europe? Well... I've written also about this, how does a society move into a totalitarian state? Some people say it was very oppressive. The Tsarist system was much more benevolent than the socialists, the Bolsheviks that followed, I can assure you that. 
I mean, they even allowed the series of Karl Marx to be published in Russia. So the censorship was kind of reasonable, uh, certainly compared to the Catholic Church of the 16th century. But we will move, in my opinion, to a situation of complete mess. But some people want that. They want to create a mess and then take over the power. They will say to the people, well, you know, security has broken down. Nobody knows. We need to have a strong leader. So we'll take over. Big question, is it more a right-wing leader or a left-wing? That, I don't know. I suppose that it will be more likely that some kind of a left-wing lunatic takes over. But who knows? But the outcome economically will be bad. I mean, the 19th century, and again, I have to go back to Milton Friedman, explains that very well. He said that it was a robber baron's century is a myth. This is nonsense. Of course, rich people became rich. They built railroads, they built canals from which everybody would benefit. Now, he pointed that out in the late 70s. So, I mean, four, more than 40 years ago. says, now we have a robber baron environment where the robber barons, they don't do things that benefit the people. They do things that benefit themselves. And the bureaucracy, <laughs> that is the problem. You understand? There's one thing in a free market, in a capitalistic economy, there are some people who become rich. They build a factory, they invest money in railroads and so forth. It is a benefit for everybody. The consumer gets goods, the farmer gets a tractor. That is, has been invented by someone who then sold his patent to the capitalist and he puts the capital together and so forth and so on. So it benefits everybody. Nowadays, <laughs> you look at the wealthy people, they do things for themselves. That is the problem. Absolutely. But the, but the problem is, and someone said to Milton Friedman, you, you know, when you uh, listen to every speech, whether it's about philosophy or whether it's about politics or whatnot, always listen carefully and twice to the Q&A, the question and answer sessions. That's when the speaker really gives you his own opinion or where you can see where he doesn't like to speak. But anyway, someone asked, well, if the system is so bad with the government so big and the private sector having contracted relative to the government sector, Mr. Friedman, should we get rid of all the members of Congress? Say, not at all. You've got to, the change has to come from the people. You vote for them. Each time the government says we have to spend on this, you all applaud this. You have to change. If I have learned anything, democracy is a complete failure if people can vote who are not involved in the decision. If people can vote who have no education, if people, anybody can vote for anything, if he can be bought, you know, you can buy votes. You can tell the retirees like Macron, if you vote for me, you get your pensions. If you vote for someone else, you know, who knows? 
So the old people voted for Macron and the young people voted socialists or for Le Pen. Uh, yep, yep. D democracy is definitely a false freedom in many cases in today's world. But I also, I would disapprove with having a system run by the WEF idiots because they're not libertarians. You understand there? You look at Trudeau. He's democratically elected and he's the worst dictator. The worst, because he's so stupid. Other dictators, in order to become dictators, had to murder a few people. So they had to be smart. Caligula, Nero in Rome were much smarter than this Trudeau. And they had a better lifestyle. They knew how to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as dictators, I think he takes after his father. Complete. I mean, I, I can't believe <laughs> that my Canadian friends would vote for him. I just can't believe it. Mark, I think this is, this, if I may, this, this might have to be a, a part one of a two-part series. Um, I feel like we're just getting started here. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. We got to wind it down, but, but thank you so much for investing your time with us here on the Lieberland Show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dr. Mark <laughs> Faber, Swiss investor and publisher of the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report. Mark, where's the best place that our listeners and viewers can go to learn more about you and follow your journey? <laughs> Come to see me, Jack Mackey. <laughs> I live in the north of Thailand. But anyway, actually, Doug Casey, he stayed here for a while. But I think that was before I moved to Shangma. They can go to the website, Gloom Boom Doom, all in one word, gloomboomdoom.com. Or if they Google my name, they somehow will get into whatever. <laughs> Fantastic. Gloom, boom, doom .com. I want to give a thank you to Carl Kuffner, who was also the connector for us here today and got Mark on the show. So again, Dr. Faber, thank you for, for investing your time with us here today. Everyone tuned in. Thank you as well. And we will catch you in the next episode of The Lieberland Show. Thank you for tuning in. Well, thank you very much. And I hope that one day you'll be a free country because uh, I believe like in the Italian city-states. That was a very good system where they were competing with each other. And I believe in small nations because in a small nation, people are automatically more honest than in big countries. So there's less corruption. There we go. We, Lieberland now has Mark Faber's blessing. And that's a big <laughs> yes. win. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you once again for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please drop a five-star rating and a review below. Take a screenshot of it and send it over to nextlevel at carswell.io. We have a present for you. We really appreciate you guys leaving those reviews because it really helps with the overall SEO and visibility of the show and allows us to continue to bring on high-quality guests. So once again, thank you. And remember, take it to the next level.